Jews. And, you know, there's a, there's a passage of Scripture that really gives us a, just a really a, a powerful promise and an invitation um, to really know God. You know, you, your relationship with God is, is something that really is intended to grow. Um, it's not something that's intended to be stagnant or stay the same. Um, it's intended to grow because God being an infinite being um, has infinite layers of his personality, infinite layers of his goodness. And so um, an active relationship with him, um, there are new places in God to know, new places of, of intimacy and hearing his voice and knowing about his character and his faithfulness. And uh, in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32, it says, the people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And so um, there's this dynamic of knowing God that is going to cause us to, to walk like him and to do the exploits that he did. And so um, that's, a, that's a powerful promise to me. Uh, how many know in the day and time that we live in, we need exploits for God? Amen. Uh, that we, we see all kinds of exploits for the enemy that's happening, but we need exploits for God. We need God to uh, flex his kingdom in the earth, and he's doing that. Um, it's happening, and, um, and it's a beautiful thing, and it's something that we are invited into. Now, how many know that when you first got saved, you probably didn't know the entirety of God's personality and person, I would say? Um, especially if you weren't necessarily raised in a Christian home. And even if you were raised in a Christian home, you, you, you know, you have aspects of finding out who God is. You know, when I first got saved, when I was about 19, 20 years old, I, I knew him as a savior. And that's it. I didn't know him as anything else. Now, everything that he does, there's an element of saving that's involved because everything God ministers is he's ministering salvation. But I knew him as a savior. And then later I would find out that he was a healer. And I would find out that he w wanted to heal me as well. And, and uh, not only did he want to heal me emotionally, but he wanted to heal me physically. Um, and that he was a deliverer. You know, I did fig figure that out pretty early on, that he wanted to set me free from addiction because of the nature of where I was at when I got saved. Um, and then come to find out later that he was also a provider. You know, that he wanted to, to take care of my needs and he wanted to, to meet my needs. And then, you know, find out that he's a father. Uh, find out that he's a friend, find out that he's a brother. Um, how many know that there's all these different aspects of who God is? And you'll have different seasons of your life where you'll be exploring different aspects if you're willing to stay teachable. A lot of people, they'll, they'll camp out on a, a small prism of his personality and, and just stay there. And that's okay too. There are brothers and sisters in the Lord and they're going to heaven but uh, the level of heaven that you're going to experience in the earth is going to be relative to um, you really experiencing the fullness of who God is. Uh, because a big part of what God has for us down here on earth is we have promises. And uh, I love those promises because life is really hard. And uh, I need all the help I can get. And I need the faithfulness of God. And I need those promises in my life. And so, you know, you come to find out as you start taking a look at the Scriptures, taking a look at the Lord, that His goodness just expands and expands and expands and expands. And then at some point, you find yourself surrounded by His goodness, and you realize that He literally wants to be a part of every single aspect of your life. For, for your, your up, you know, your down-sitting, your, your, your uprising, your mornings, your evenings, everything that pertains to you, God is excited about, and focused on just like we are with this baby. You know, like everything, everything about her we love, you know. And um, we feel that way with all, about all of our kids. Uh, everything about them we love, you know. And so we're excited about, <clears throat> about getting to know them and all that pertains to them, right? And so if we can love our kids that much, how much more does God love us? Can I get an Amen. And so this, this dynamic, and so what, what I want to talk about today is maybe an aspect of God I didn't learn until later in my Christianity. All the things that I just mentioned to you, I've experienced some level of that understanding of who God is in those areas. But this, what I'm about to talk to you about, is something I did not really come to understand until I understood the grace of God. And so we're going to take a look at that. But we're going to look at an aspect of God in Isaiah 46.10. 
that um, this is an attribute to who He is and His power. Isaiah 46.10, it says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So, you know, we find out something about God. I mean, that God is an eternal being. And He is a being that stands outside of time. You know, we get glimpses of that over and over in Scripture where God, you know, refers to Himself as the great I Am. You know, Jesus talking about Himself, I am He who was and who is and who is to come. Uh, over and over again, God starts to kind of uh, span it. You know, when Jesus made the statement, I am, it's, it's, a, it's a statement of perpetual nowness, perpetual existence in the right now. And, and, and He said that in reference to them saying, you know, how can you know Abraham? You're so much younger, you know, younger than Abraham. And he said, well, before Abraham was, I am. And what he was doing is he was giving them a snapshot into his divinity. He's like, I know you see me in this earthen frame. I know you think that I'm a carpenter's son. I know you think I'm just this guy from Nazareth, but I am the creator and I have always been. And you see these snapshots of just the awesomeness of God's power and an aspect of that is that he is eternal and he is operating outside of time, at least not operating inside the realm of time that we are. How I many you know that heaven does measure time in the book of Peter? It says the day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. And so we start to realize that the way heaven experiences time is not the same way we experience time. See, you know, we, you know, in heaven it's been seven days. <laughs> Like literally, this whole thing has been seven days. Now to us, it's thousands of years. And so we, we gives you an understanding of how God could be so, so long-suffering and patient. Because the way He views this life is different than the way we view this life. And ultimately, as I discuss this a little bit, we're actually going to step into how powerful His eternal perspective is in the expression of His faithfulness towards you. Because... He's so big and so powerful and so awesome and knows your life from top to bottom, from start to finish, that He can cause all things to work together for your good. Your mistakes, your triumphs, your tragedies, things that have been done to you that were wrong, all of it works together for your good. Because God is outside of your time. And He views your life as a mosaic, as a picture, as a painting, as a whole. And so, when you make a mark that's contrary to His will, and you make a huge mistake, God comes in with His grace, <laughs> just like Bob Ross, and says, we're going to make a, a beautiful little tree right here. <laughs> you, you see, this, you see this mistake right here? You think it's a mistake, but you know what? I'm going to make it into something beautiful. And what you made as a mistake, God will turn into something more beautiful than anything that you could have done in your own strength. In just a moment of time. You know, I, I think one of the most beautiful examples of that is Solomon. You know, I mean, Solomon, Solomon's life was marked by tragedy and murder and adultery and immorality. His life was marked, yeah, Tamal David. Tamal, the inception of Solomon. The inception of Solomon was the greatest act of infidelity towards God and man ever done by anyone uh, that was in covenant with God. Tamal David. And, and, you know, and certainly that mistake was not an immediate birthing of life because how many know that David was not under grace? And he didn't have the covenant that you have. Now, his judgment was tempered with mercy, but there was still judgment. There had to be in order for the justice of God to be upheld. And so there was still death as a result of that decision and that mistake. But how many know that mistake if we look at the beautiful mosaic of David's life, that one mistake is not the centerpiece of his story. How I many you know it could have been? If, if, if man would have wrote the story, if Hollywood would have wrote the story, if the media would have wrote the story, they would have made David's scandal front page. And everything else would have been a side note. 
But Almighty God, because He is not like the world and He's not like them, He does not make the center of David's story His infidelity. He makes... He, he, you know who's the center of David's story? God is. Because you see David mess up over and over and over and over again. And you see God rescue him time after time after time after time. He never stops rescuing him. And so what's displayed in David's story is the goodness of God. Though that, and the goodness of God came in and took what was a horrible mistake and, and birthed, I would say, dare say, the greatest king that's ever been on this planet. Talking about Solomon. Solomon did things David could never do. Solomon increased the empire in ways that David never could. Solomon had zero right to the throne. He was not the oldest. But God said, I'm going to, my strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness. And I'm, bringing, I'm not removing you um, from uh, the, uh, the generations of Jesus. I mean, you know, David was set to be a part of that family lineage and that family line. I mean, you know, God didn't cast him out. And so, in your life, from start to finish, God's able to make your mistakes work for you. God's able to make the tragedies work for you. It's a part of the promises. This is something I didn't understand until later. I didn't understand this until I began to understand grace. But in Isaiah 46.10, he says, I declare the end from the beginning. I'm going to read you a couple passages and then we'll just move forward. Jeremiah 29.11 quoted all the time, but this is another example of God standing outside of time. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I mean, the reason that God can give you a future is He's already standing in your future. He's already there. He's in your present. He's in your yesterday. And He's in your future as well. And so he, he will call you and guide you into your future. And when you make a misstep and when you make um, you know, a, a, a blunder on, on, on your road on, on trying to get to your destination, how I many you know that God has the ability to reroute you and to bring you to exactly where you need to be and to have you there right on time because He's that powerful and He's that awesome and He's that faithful. And at the end of your journey, the crown on your head will be laid at His feet because you know the only way you got there is He carried you. Amen? So that your life, even your accomplishments, they become another reflection of the glory and faithfulness of God. And your life... It's good times and bad times ultimately glorify the Lord. Amen? And so, Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. God knew you before you were born, before you existed in this timeline. Revelations 1.80 says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and who is to come. So he's laying himself out. He said, I am. I am, I am existing simultaneously in past, present, and future. I operate outside of time. How many of you know he is omniscient? Amen? And he's all-knowing. Amen? Omniscient, all-knowing, and he's everywhere. And so he's just laying out the great, his greatness and his majesty. Um, and so now let's turn to Romans chapter 8, please. So just... With that perspective, with that understanding, he is a God that operates outside of time, and so he has the ability to keep this promise that he makes in Romans chapter 8. And when you really get a hold of this aspect of God's personality and this aspect of God's power, um, it will produce an irrepressible hope in your heart, even during times of trouble even during, during times of challenge, because you, you can stop and you can think to yourself, God is working all this together for my good. I mean, you know, you can make that statement at any time. From the smallest thing to the biggest thing. It can be being stuck in traffic. It can be getting fired. It can be, you know, it can be a challenge that you're having with your friends challenge that you're having in a relationship, whatever, 
God's, God has the ability to cause all of it to work together for your good. And when you understand that, it brings a peace in your heart. And what you start to do, you, start, you stop white-knuckling the wheel of your life. And you start to chill out and relax a little bit and understand that there, God... is working all things together for your good. Can you get an amen? I mean, that is really good news. <laughs> like, let's look at the actual passage. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. And so, it would seem like you take a look at this passage, well, man, see, here's some qualifiers this is for people who love God. This isn't necessarily for me, you know, because the enemy's going to be like, well, you don't love God as much as somebody else does, or, you know, you don't really love God. And so let's think about that for a moment. We know, all, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Now, here's the thing. Do you love God with your own love? You don't. See, we don't naturally love God. Before Christ... We, we, were, we were enemies towards God. We don't, we don't inherently love God, right? But then God, while we were still enemies, rescues us, saves us, gives us a new nature, then actually deposits His love down on the inside of us, and He gives us the love that we're to love Him with. Are y'all tracking me here? He gives it to you first. So, if you're saved, then you love God because you're loving God with the love that He first gave you. How many know it's a gift? He's the author of all of it. It's kind of like when you give your kids money to buy you a present. <laughs> How many know that's a big part of parenting? You know, like, you know, we give our kids money to, to buy us a present. That's a part of it. We're teaching them how to give. We're teaching them how, um, you know, to do that sort of thing. You know, I remember we used to do this thing with Ethan when he was little at Christmas time. We would give him like 10 bucks and he would go into like this little craft place and they would have all these little gifts that were made, like little tiny gifts that were made for children to get their parents. But he got to actually pick out his own gift that he, that he would give to us, right? So it was really cool and it was a cool experience for him. But how I many you know when... When, you're, when your kid is, is getting you something or buying you something or doing something for you and, you know, you give it to them first, how I many you know it still blesses you when you receive it because they made a decision to give it? Can you get an amen? So it's the same way with God. This isn't, a, this isn't a verse that's disqualifying people from this promise. This is a verse that's letting you know if you've received the love of God, then you are loving God. Amen? Now, how I many you know there is a development that can happen with that? And a lot of times that development is based upon us being aware of how much He loves us. I know that the more I understand how much God loves me, the more it's naturally easy for me to just love Him back, right? So the awareness of that love can increase, but the, the bottom line is if you've received Jesus, you love God, amen? We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, once again, this would try to be selective here, but here's the thing. How many know we all are called according to His purpose? If you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're called according to His purpose. What's His purpose? His purpose is that the kingdom would flow through you. Uh, the, the purpose is that people would encounter Jesus on the inside of you. Amen? So if you're a child of God, you love God, and you're called according to His purpose. And so now you get this really powerful promise, and we know all things work together for good. And so this is kind of what I've been laying out. This part of God's faithfulness I did not understand until I understood grace because... Without an understanding of grace, you're going to think that you're going to get what you deserve. When you do bad, you get bad. When you do good, you get good. But the reality is, is the good you do is never enough. Because <laughs> somebody's always doing more good than you. right? And so then you just idolize the person that you think is doing the most good and feel bad about yourself. <laughs> That's actually not how the kingdom operates. And when, I, when the grace of God came in, and the shackles were just ripped off of God and His goodness through me understanding grace, 
How many know that if I'm in control of God's goodness, then I'm, the, I'm in control of the, the, the relationship? No, I'm not. You're, I'm not in control of God's goodness. What I've come to find out through, through, through understanding grace and understanding the gospel and the nature of God is God will be, will be good to who he wants to be good to. And, and, it, and it's really no one, it's it, like he'll, he'll call you on it. You know, if you try to be like, well, you know, the example of the 11th hour worker, you know, they got upset at him because he was good when people didn't deserve it. And he's like, it's my stuff. I can do what I, I love it when he pulls rank. I love it. I, I do. I love it. Throughout scripture, you're going to see God just pour. He's like, I'm God. <laughs> you know, like, like, I'm God. What are you going to do? You know, and, and I love that because here in this particular circumstance, he's pulling rank over his goodness because people are trying to talk him into not being so good. And he's like, I can do what I want with my stuff because it's his goodness. Amen. Anyway, please share. Thank you. When, when, uh, when Peter says to Jesus, or Jesus says to Peter, you're going to die. And the first thing he says is, well, what about John? What's that to you? <laughs> well said. Well said. No, it's good. Brian, will you grab that mic, please? Yeah. No, and, and we, we're like that, aren't we? As human beings, we want people to get what they deserve. What? They, they don't deserve that, you know? And, and, and I'll be honest with you, that mindset is not a kingdom of God mindset. It's just not, man. God's going to be good to who he wants to be good to. Now, in the very same breath, God is always going to be developing his character in you in the form of faithfulness. Always. Because he's faithful. And, and so his faithfulness will teach you how to be faithful. And so don't think that God doesn't value faithfulness because he absolutely does. That's one of his primary attributes. But he does not need your faithfulness in order to be good to you. Actually, he knows that it's his goodness that will lead you into being faithful to him. Because it's the goodness of God that leads you to change. It's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. When you experience the goodness of God in the midst of your disobedience, it actually causes disobedience to melt off of your heart. You lose the desire to disobey uh, because of how much you're loved. And that's the dynamic of where uh, grace sets us free from the dominion of sin. And so, but anyway, so this, this powerful promise, we know that all things work together for good. God's goodness is unleashed and unchained. And so I just want to make a few comments about this. It says, understanding this creates hope and expectation regardless of the circumstances. So here I am. Let's say you're going through a challenge. You're going through something that's difficult. It may be a challenge of your making, or it may be just an attack from the enemy, or it may be just a part of being on earth, because there are definitely things like that. But in the midst of that challenge, if I understand that God is causing all things to work together for my good, then I can be hopeful, even in the midst of trial, knowing that God's going to work this out. You know what I'm saying? Like, God's going to work this out. What's, why is this happening? What's going on? God's going to work this out. Okay, get an amen. And so what, what that does is, is that actually <clears throat> that takes the pressure and the burden and that white-knuckling attitude of distrust of being not understanding why this is going on and or even worse blaming it on God and saying God's the author of destruction or the author of death or sickness or tragedy or any of those things um, the enemy really tries to come in and sucker punch somebody and mess them up but what you have to realize is when you understand this aspect of the faithfulness of God then you know even when all hell's breaking loose even when you're having a challenging time God is working amen He's working behind the scenes. You know, there have been times in my life when I've had, you know, things hit. And when I was in it, I didn't understand. And I had questions. And I was mad. And I was angry. And, um, and it was a challenge for me during those times. But I can look back in hindsight. And I can see the full picture now. I mean, you know, when you're in it, you're in it. You can't see the full picture. But now that I can look back, I can see where God was working and where God was protecting and God was delivering and God was preparing me for my future. Are y'all tracking me here? <clears throat> we can see the faithfulness of God even in the midst of tragedy, even in the midst of challenging circumstances once we get through it. Amen? And so 
Anyway, understanding this, it creates hope. It creates expectation regardless of the circumstances. Understanding this also helps you to have a big picture, God-sized approach towards perceiving life. Uh, what are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, w- when I start to understand that God's, the way God sees things is from start to finish and nothing is a surprise to him, how many you know every single temptation, every single attack that the enemy throws against you is not a surprise to God? He's not surprised. He already knows. In fact, there's already grace to handle your circumstance. You know what the initial allotment of grace is for? To to deliver you from the temptation and the failure. How many know there's grace to resist sin? There's grace to resist. There's grace to take a stand. Amen? That's going to come first for the purpose of securing you, delivering you, and keeping you safe. If you fail... (laughs) <laughs> and you don't, you don't embrace that grace, and you somehow end up in your own strength, and you give in to temptation, you make a mistake. How I many you know there's now another, there's a second set of grace that comes to overwhelm you and rescue you from the mistake that you make? It, and it'll rescue you. Because it is Jesus Christ. I mean, it's not really an it or a concept. He's a person. He's going to be, what are you going to do? He's going he's to do what he did for Peter. He's going to make you fish. He's going to help locate where your love's at. He's going to have an encounter with you. He's going to love on you. He's going to talk to you. He's going to correct you. You know, but he's going to, but he's going to never devalue you um, or let go of your destiny and your calling and who you are. Can I get an amen? He's never going to do that. Uh, he's going to actually, he's going to confirm who you are in him. And he's going to rescue you. So here comes grace to rescue you. And that grace will help you. And uh, how many know God's not going to punish you for transgression? You need to know that. That's important. How many know Jesus took all the punishment for all transgression? Jesus did a good job. So, you know, when we make a mistake, we're not being punished by God. Now, we can make mistakes where there are repercussions in this life. Amen. How many know that there is repercussion for bad decisions, right? Period. Um, but uh, God will rescue us even from that. Amen? And so uh, we're thankful for that. And so understanding this perspective helps you to understand that God knows everything that's coming against you, and He's already made provision. Amen? How many know that you've not been forgiven just enough? Okay? Your your forgiveness was an overpayment. You know, you may have owed a million-dollar debt of sin, if you can measure sin, but it was paid trillion, you know, you had a trillion dollar payment made to your account come off the blood of Jesus. So you're, you're not just barely forgiven or inched by forgiven. No, you've been extravagantly forgiven. Yeah, it's an extravagant forgiveness that, that God wants you to understand how extravagant it is so that it will remove every shadow of doubt out of your mind about how he feels about you. Because when he looks at you, he never sees sin. He never sees sin. You know, he looks at you and he, he, sees, he sees Jesus Christ. He sees his son. He sees sons and daughters of God. He sees you in, in Christ. Amen? And so, um, you know, and, 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 and I tell you what, this covenant, man, that has been given to you, it, you, you're not, you don't have a part to play in this covenant. I mean, your part is to believe and to enter into Christ, but the covenant that God made, he actually made it with Jesus. Like, Jesus is the one that he made the covenant with. It's such, this is the greatest news in the world right here, okay, what I'm about to share with you. And so what that means is God is faithful to Jesus' end of the covenant. It's, it, it removes all doubt concerning our relationship with God. So God's going to be as faithful to you, child of God, as he is to Jesus. Because you are now, as a Christian, you are now in Christ. And as being someone that's in Christ, that's how you got into this covenant. You didn't cut a covenant with God. Jesus cut a covenant with God, and Jesus brought you into himself. Are you all tracking me here? And so now you're in Christ. And so what that means is you actually can't mess this up. <laughs> like, you, don't, you, you, you can't mess it up. The only thing you can do is not enjoy the benefits of it as a result of unbelief. 
unbelief is the one. It, it's New Testament obedience is 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 to believe, right? Your actions will line up. Actions aren't the most important thing. Your believing is the most important thing. When your believing is right, your actions are going to line up, right? God's always after what you believe. Um, yeah, and so you unbelief will cause you to not enjoy it, right? Like what I'm sharing with you today, this promise. I mean, I think. We've all had a level of understanding concerning all things work together for good. But have you ever heard a sermon that was just focused just on it and just talked about it? Probably not. But if we can drive this concept into us, there's a revelation of the faithfulness of God that will come out of it. Honestly, it'll change the way you view life. Um, you'll, you'll be... See, see, people who don't trust God are trusting in themselves falling short, and living afraid. Because you're either going to trust God or you're going to trust you. And, and if there's one thing I've been taught, I just, I, I, I am not impressing myself. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, at all. Like, if there's anything I've learned and it's a valuable lesson, without God, I suck. <laughs> In every sense of the word, like in every any way you can imagine sucking, I'm right there doing it, right? And so I know I can't live this life. Like I can't. I'm not even going to try. He can do it. And He can do it through me. And so we're going to let Him do it. You follow me? And so a part of that is me trusting Him when I don't understand what's going on. You follow me? Like when I don't understand what's going on or a trial is coming or a challenge is coming, I have to revert back to this aspect of his personality. He is the all-knowing, all-seeing God, right? And he has the ability to work whatever this is out for my good, for your good. Because he loves you that much and because he's that powerful. And I'll mention this here. Because where you really see, and because we got Jehovah Jireh, we got we got you know Jehovah Rapha, we got Jehovah Nisi, and all this stuff. Well, this 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 aspect of who God is actually comes from the story of Hagar, and we see Abraham not do the right thing. We see Abraham make a mistake. We see Abraham trying to make the promise come to pass by sleeping with his servant. Right? That's not the promise. That's not God's plan. That's a mistake. Period. Okay? So it's a mistake, but remember, we got this God who on the mosaic of existence can take a mistake and make it a nice pretty little tree, right? <laughs> Through His amazing grace. He has the ability to do that. But we see this, this woman, Hagar. Now, Hagar didn't do nothing wrong. I mean, you know, I mean, if you think for a moment, she was in a position of slavery. It's not her fault. She's an Egyptian. That's not her fault. You know, she got caught up in the weird dynamic of Sarah and Abraham, you know? And so, and then we see Abraham make a mistake, right? And so here comes Ishmael. And so we got, and a lot of times, I mean, you know, we talk about typology, we always talk about Ishmael in a negative sense. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's an Ishmael. That's something I produced in my own strength, and, and uh, it was a mistake, and all of these things. But this, this powerful interchange happens with this woman. So, Abraham's like, I want her to stick around. Sarah's like, she's got to leave. She can't be raised with Isaac. And Ishmael, you know, they can't be raised together. And then God speaks to Abraham, says, listen to your wife, she's right. Abraham, with sadness, banishes Ishmael, his child, and Hagar. And so they walk out into the wilderness, and they're dying. And they're dying of thirst. And she looks like she's just going to die. But then all of a sudden, she has this encounter with this angel. And the angel speaks to her, knows her situation, and gives her a fountain to replenish her and, and basically rescues them and then speaks a blessing over them. And, um, and, and when she has this encounter with God, she says this, the, the God that sees me, sees me. Because how I many know God, He saw her. And she was a mistake. Her child was a mistake. But God said, no. So I'm going to bless your child. How I many know that that child was blessed? How I many know that child was protected? 
How many know the, 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 the closest thing that we can even begin to see what, what has happened to that race, of that group of people, is it looks like the blessing of Abraham. How I many know they've prospered and flourished and been rescued? They have. You can't deny it. It's right there in the book. But what I want to show you is, God says, what looks like a mistake, I see your mistake. I see past your mistake. I see you. And I'm going to rescue you, and I'm going to save you, and I'm going to turn what was meant to be for evil, and I'm going to turn it for good, because I am the God who sees. Do you see how, how God took a situation that looked like a mistake, and yet He brought blessing out of it? Can you get an amen? It's true. It's, a, it's an aspect of the kingdom that we don't think about that much, but it's true. And then so, helping us understanding that all things work together for our good, it helps us understand the ups and downs of life in relation to God's unconditional love. Um, you know, you have to know that on your bad days, God still loves you. On your good days, God still loves you. When things are going perfect, God loves you. When things are not going perfect, God loves you. He's working all things together for your good. How I many you know it requires patience? It requires trust. requires a different perspective. Amen? And so, we, 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 see, this, we see this operative. And so, I just want to quickly go through three, three guys here real quick. We see it happen in Abraham's life. How I many know oh, God worked all things together for his good? Abraham's the clearest example in the Old Testament of the New Testament, the New Covenant, the blessing of the New Covenant. Is, is the clearest example is Abraham. Now, how I many know oh, Abraham makes mistakes? But how many know out of every mistake, God actually turns it and makes it work to good? It's weird. It's crazy. Like, every time he made a mistake, God ended up blessing him with more than he had before. Like, it was astonishing. And just overwhelmed him with blessing. Over and over and over and over and over and over again. Amen. To the point to where at the end of his life, God spoke about Abraham and said God had blessed him in all things. I, I want that for my life. That just that's something I personally want. I want that to be said that God blessed me in all things. Can I get an amen? Because who, whose faithfulness are we talking about here? Yeah, we talking about God's faithfulness to Jesus. Do you see how Abraham's covenant was never broken? How this blessing and blessing and blessing. You see Abraham's covenant broken when they're coming out of Egypt at Mount Sinai when they make a decision to change the dynamic of the covenant and have it be based upon their faithfulness and not God's. That's when Pentecost happened. That's when all those people died. That's when God said you got to scoot back. That's when the law was instituted. That's when grace was broken. And that's when man began to come to God based upon his faithfulness and his strength. And it produced hundreds of years of misery. Because man does not have the ability to approach God based on his own strength. Amen. But that covenant that Abraham enjoyed was astonishing. He just, every way you turn this brother, he was blessed. No matter what, he was blessed and he was rescued. Amen. And so we can see his mistakes. Now let's take a look at Joseph here for a minute. How I many you know what happens in Joseph's life is other people are hurting him, other people are bringing forth tragedy into his life. Right? So here's a different type of example. In Abraham's life, we see Abraham make a bunch of mistakes. In Joseph's life, you don't see Joseph making a bunch of mistakes, but you see people around him making mistakes. His brothers sold him, betrayed him. He went to prison, right? He was in, uh, or actually he went to Potiphar's house, you know, and there uh, Potiphar's wife scandalized him and betrayed him, and then he went to prison, and then he was in prison, and he was, uh, you know, he helped this guy out, helped the butler out, and he forgot about him. But anyway, long story short, I mean, you know, he got betrayed almost like a, a, a pinball in a pinball machine. Nothing but hurt. Nothing but hurt. But here's the thing. How I many know that all those things that those people did did not have the ability to stop his destiny from happening? All those injustices, all of those slanders, all of those attacks against him, none of them could stop the God who sees. None of them could stop God's faithfulness towards his life. And how many know at the end of Joseph's story? See, we, we see start to finish. See, just see, God sees start to finish in your life. You're living in a chapter of your life. God sees start to finish. 
we see the good news that Joseph gets delivered. Can I get an amen? How many know the same good news is in your story? Can I get an amen? No matter what you're dealing with, what you're facing right now. And so, you know, he comes out, leader, you know, second in command, basically over the entire world, right? And, and, and because nothing the enemy could do could stop what God had called him to do. Nothing could stop the gifting. Nothing could stop the calling. Nothing could stop the destiny. It didn't matter what everybody else decided to do because God was able to make it look like it was in the plan. That's one of the amazing things about God. And I don't think it's really like that. I think that we are, the human element is the, is the, is the element of chance because of our wills. Now, ultimately, God's will is going to be done, period. But how I many you know we have the ability to choose how much we want to go around the mountain? <laughs> that, is your, that is reserved within your power. How many laps do you want? <laughs> now, God's going to bring you in, but a lot of times He's got to tire you out first. Come on in your own strength. Amen? Faith is a, it's a surrender. Amen? And, um, and so, ultimately, God's will is going to come to pass, but the human element of things, uh, there's just a beauty and a wildness in, in what we bring to the table that I think really complements everything that God does in redemption. I think there's a beauty. I mean, you know, as you, as you get older, you, you appreciate something that has character. You appreciate something that has some cracks and some flaws in it and some life to it, you know? And uh, I feel like God's the same way about us. But nothing the enemy could throw at Joseph could stop him, right? Nothing that Abraham could throw at himself could stop him. And then how many you know in David's life, we see both. We see David messing a whole bunch of stuff up, but then we also see the enemy really coming in and attacking David as well. How I many we see Saul coming in and you know persecuting David? How I many you know no amount of Saul's bad decisions could derail uh, David's destiny? Amen. No amount of David's bad decisions could derail David's destiny. Why? Because all things work together for good. Amen. God has the ability to do that. So I just want you to take a moment, think about your own life, think about this aspect of God. You know, how 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 long have you known about this? Let me ask you this question. I mean, were you guys born again knowing about this? Um, did you, did you, or is this something that you learned later? I do know that there are some fellowships that probably teach us a lot better. Uh, I would say denominational fellowships even potentially teach us better than some non-denominational fellowships. But knowing this aspect of God's character and God's personality, it'll bring a tremendous amount of hope into your life. And it'll, it'll remove you from, the, from, from fretting and freaking out and it will bring just a sense of rest and a sense of peace in your life when you know that God's always working. Amen? You're not alone. God is not against you. God is always for you. When you're doing everything right and when you're not, God is he's for you. Amen? And so, anyway, this just brings a, just a strong understanding of, of hope. And, um, you know, it's just a good, it's a good thing to understand about God that this is a part of what he has for us, amen? And this is an expression of his love, amen? It'll take so much pressure off of you. So anyway, with that, I just want to open it up. Anybody have anything they want to share? Anybody have anything they want to add to that? Okay, yes, please, go ahead. Yeah. It's like uh, what you're saying is outside of the knowledge of the good, the knowledge of good and evil, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's so encouraging, I think, for people to know that God doesn't function based off of that. Yeah. I think what you touched on is so huge and not as prevalent in the church. Maybe will be so more. I mean, yeah. I think it's coming in, but hasn't been yeah. as much. And it puts people under bondage. And the knowledge of good and the knowledge of evil are the same tree. Yeah. They're the same fruit. Yeah. And they both lead to death. Yeah. The knowledge of good leads to death. Yeah. The knowledge of... But it, when it's under grace, when it's under... His character, His functionality, mercy—it's yeah. outside of all of that. Amen. That's good. Well said, man. Well said. We'd rather eat on the tree of the knowledge or the tree of life. Amen. Yeah. There's a book that Rick Joyner wrote called "There Were Two Trees in the Garden." 
yeah. and specifically deals wow. with that. It's a very good book. It's and it was the book that actually started me out before Joseph Prince came out. Um, it was um, it was that book that well, opened my eyes that God didn't want us to live by our reason and right and wrong and measuring how good we are and how bad we are. That yeah. He wanted us to measure by Him, Him, yeah. by life, <laughs> and that started my journey. Wow. But up until that point, I I had I I felt worthless. I felt like yeah. I was a constant failure because, you know, the majority of what most churches teach is not the gospel. Yeah. yeah. And that and I and, and I and I, I hate I say that with sadness in my heart because people mean well. They sure. think they're preaching truth. Sure. And they're not. They're preaching a gospel that is completely centered on man's effort. Yeah. And the true gospel is centered on Jesus right. and what Jesus accomplished for us. And you can't even begin to head down this road of understanding how faithful God is until you really hear the gospel. Yeah, no, it's true. And, uh, and it completely transforms your life. Amen. And I know when I got a hold of this, Things I struggled with for years and couldn't get free of. Yeah, I had a horrible thing of rejection on me. Yeah, that I I couldn't shake I, as hard as I tried. Mm -hmm. You know, I just need to believe that God loved me. Believe yeah. that God loved me. I just I just I just I just needed I just need to do. Yeah, and then when I realized that it ha had nothing to do with me. Yeah, and every every bit of how much. Uh, he does for me and how committed he is for me and that that is that is non-negotiable with him right. like god's love and commitment toward us is non-negotiable with him Amen. it is not even on the table for discussion for him Amen. i mean because he from the found god already committed in his heart before any of us first even drew a breath before we were even our mother's womb him and the Son and the Spirit all made a covenant with one another. I'm going to give them free will. This is what I'm going to do. That's what that means. Jesus was slain from the foundation that's of right. the world. That's right. They'd already planned that, This doesn't just, you know, the Jesus, the, Jesus going on the cross is an eternal act. Yeah. Not just that time forward, that time back. Because God committed to himself. Come on. When he decided in his heart that he was going to give men free will, yeah. he knew what men would do with that free will. Yeah. He knew what he would have to do to covenant with himself yeah. to, to set men free. And that shows you right there of his sacrificial love. Because, you know, that Jesus gave up everything for us. You know, like what Grant was talking about last, last week. Yeah. And... How much, and that then, then it circles back to Christ's love was demonstrated for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Yeah. So it brings it all full circle for us. And I think when you, if people just would know that you're not an afterthought with God. Right. No, not just that, not just that you were made, but your entire being was covered, was prepared for, was initiated, and all his promises towards you are yes and amen, and that he wants absolutely nothing but your well-being because yeah. it's what he's made you for. It's good. It's good, man. It's a good word. Thank you. Anybody else? Please, share. Okay, I actually shared this the other night with a young man. Um, uh, it, I, I heard this uh, preached at the beginning of a sermon uh, by some popular pastor or whatever and he had brought up the image of a toddler or an infant learning to crawl and I asked this, this little guy I said well, you know if you fall as an infant I said are, are you going to yell at the child for falling and he's sure. like no I said what are you going to do he's like well pick him up I said, well, what if he falls again? 
I said, you gonna yell at him then? He's like, no, I'm gonna pick him up. I said, okay, what about a third time? He said, that would make you a horrible parent. And I said, well, God is your father. He's not yelling at you when you fall to the ground. He's reaching down. He's excited that you even gave it a try. Yeah, come on. And he's pulling yeah. you to your feet. He's looking you in the face That's and right. he has your hands and he's saying, come on, let's do this again. Let's give it another shot. That's good. And so, and you preached, I don't know, maybe back in 2016. And I remember it really well because it kind of went with what I had heard. Um, you had said that we always remain toddlers in the hands of God. And that's, that's what it is. I mean, we just, we're just going to walk and fall, walk and fall, walk and fall. And sometimes we'll try to run and we'll fall harder. But he's always there to pick us up, to look us directly in the eyes and let us know that Amen. he's right there with us and he's going to help us. It's good. It's good. It's so good. Such a good analogy. Is the confidence in that is what produces holiness. That's right. The confidence that he will not forsake you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have confidence in that. Yeah. It produces holiness. It it's good. produces righteousness. It's good. Until you know that you can fa safely fail, um, you, you're, 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 you really don't grow and develop out of it. You need to know that you can fail and not be rejected. Yeah, you need that, man. That's good. Anybody else? Someone else had their hand up? Yeah, please share. So um, before when you were talking about how God is outside of time, yeah. that kind of in a nutshell means he is working in the past and in the present, and in the future, all at the same time. That's right. So That's throughout your entire life, every single time that you failed, he was always there, mm -hmm. and he knew it was going to happen because he's working ahead of that time as well. That's good. So the concept of time is completely outside of heaven and everything spiritual because mm -hmm. it is constantly working, and that is why um, to a thousand years is like a day to God because mm -hmm. he's completely outside of that. Mm-hmm. And that just sometimes people don't understand that. Yeah. Because it's <laughs> it's not even funny to say God's timing because he doesn't have timing because yeah. he's God. That's right. Well so, said. Yeah. 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 We use that term to try to help us understand his what he's got going on. So yeah, that's good. That's so true. It's kind of it's a difficult thing to wrap your head around, but when you wrap your head around just a little bit, you're just like. <laughs> and when it does, it alleviates pressure and it brings a sense of peace. Anybody else have anything for closing? All right, cool. Awesome. It's good. It's good. I really enjoyed. I, I, this is a part of my life. And so, like, when I'm, sh I'm sharing a part of my life. And so, this has blessed me tremendously. Yeah. Making this, yeah. like, a part of the way I think and stuff. So, amen. I like to share things that I already have working in my life. Amen. So, Anyway, praise God. So anyway, 